Welcome to the Community Conversations Podcast. I'm Chaplain Caleb McCary, joined by Chaplain Delana Small. Today we're launching a special edition of Community Conversations in honor of Women's History Month, where we showcase some of the extraordinary contributions made by women in the United States Army Chaplain Corps. Delana, can you introduce our special guest today? Thanks, Caleb. Today it's my pleasure to introduce Chaplain Lieutenant Colonel Jennifer Cooper. As a seasoned combat veteran, Chaplain Cooper has served over 35 months deployed in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operations Enduring Freedom. She has served in formative assignments like the 101st Airborne Air Assault Division, a Chaplain Basic Officer Leader Corps Small Group Leader, United States Army Europe Future Operations Planner, and as the Captain and Colonel Chaplain Personnel Manager. Today, she serves as the Senior Account Manager in the Department of the Army Chaplain Personnel Division, affectionately known as the Dash Per. Today, she's going to speak to modernization of the Chaplain Corps. Well, good morning. Thank you, Caleb and Delena, for having me today. Um, again, my name is Jennifer Cooper, and I am a chaplain serving in the Uni- United States Army. I am married to Adam Cooper, and I have two children, Caitlin and Charlotte. Caitlin is six, and Charlotte is two years old. Uh, Some of those key assignments you've already spoken about at length, and I don't feel like I need to spend a whole lot of time on them, but I can tell you that um, being in combat was probably one of the most formative activities that any chaplain can uh, encounter, and I've had the privilege of deploying with the 101st three different times, uh, both as battalion chaplain and a brigade chaplain in support of um, train advise assist command in Kandahar, Afghanistan. So uh, some wonderful opportunities at ministry and caring for soldiers in their formations throughout um, the United States Army. Well, ma'am, between you and Chaplain Small here, I think the 101st is very well represented (laughs) at the table today. Indeed. So uh, we understand that you serve as the senior account manager at DATCHPER. So could you explain what this means and how this relates to this word that we hear floating around the chaplain corps from time to time, proponency? Well, first of all, I think the best thing I could do is maybe help uh, y'all understand what proponency means. If you take the root word of that proponent, it means advocate. And the vice chief of staff and the chief of staff of the Army have um, responsibility for managing the entire formation and the places where soldiers are serving throughout the formation. Now, they de- they delegate those authorities down to the chief of chaplains, giving him the opportunity to serve as an advocate for the chaplain corps. In that case, he is the, the one who's responsible for managing where chaplains serve, how they serve, and what capacities they serve, and in the specific areas they serve. So the chief of chaplains is the proponent for all chaplain moves and assignments throughout the Army Chaplain Corps. Now, why is that important, especially for a branch like the Chaplain Corps, to have have that proponent for the branch? Why is that important for us? It's important mostly because we have such a unique mission. We have a diverse organization. We represent many different faith groups, many different um, communities of faith. And so as as the proponent for chaplain moves, 
The chief has the responsibility to manage comprehensive religious support throughout the entire army formation. So he is constantly looking at how chaplains are distributed throughout the formation and in what way they are distributed. So it's not just about where the Christian chaplains are serving, but how they are represented. So if you have, let's say, for instance, um, Orthodox Christians, you don't want to have them all piled up at one duty location. If you have Southern Baptist Christians, you don't want them all piled up. You want to have an even distribution of those who are from conservative versus liberal traditions. And so the the point of the chief's proponency is to ensure that he can manage the entire formation and and an accurate and adequate distribution of resources throughout the formation. Uh, most of the time when I talk with commanders, this is related to our Roman Catholic population. And the Roman Catholics are some of the most difficult ones to manage because they're so few in number, and yet they have so great a population to which they are caring for in the formation. And so the Roman Catholic conversation is always what I bring up when I'm talking with commanders because I will tell them, uh, think about your Roman Catholic priests and, and the distribution of them throughout the formation. And if this you were the one assignment where we needed a Roman Catholic priest, then um, that's where we're going to assign them. It, commanders get it immediately when you start talking about priest distri- distribution. But it also applies to our Jewish chaplains and as well as our imams. And so we're, we're really working hard in the Dach Per to ensure that our rabbis or imams, um, any, you know, low-density faith group is well-represented to the greatest extent we are able um, to represent them throughout the formation. Now, ma'am, let's take a turn and talk modernization. This is a key theme in the Army noted by many of our leaders as like a priority, a number one priority. So how does modernization impact the human resources sphere. Oh my goodness, we are doing so many things in PER in an effort to help modernize how we do assignments, how we how we care for soldiers, how we manage careers, um, and it really is kind of the buzzword that's going on in PER circles right now. Whether that's at HRC or whether that's here in uh, Department of the Army Chaplains in our personnel division, uh, it's really. Um, it's going to have an impact on assignments. Many of our chaplains have already experienced that in the formation because of AIM 2.0 and the opportunity to speak into the assignments process. It also, many of the chaplains in our formation have heard the words talent management, and we often are working to manage the talent of the entire formation simultaneously. Many times chaplains will call and say to us, well, you know, you're supposed to manage my talent. I'm managing your talent alongside everyone else's. And so in the, in the PER, we, we have um, a lot of leveraged responsibilities upon the assignment process as we seek to ensure that the right person is in the right place at the right time and for the right reasons. So ma'am, let me ask you this. I was a battalion chaplain basically yesterday. And um, so, you know, I get on to AIM when my movement cycle comes open and I'm looking at the marketplace and I'm getting all excited about all these assignments that I see on there. And I'm talking to my peers on the staff 
and they're applying for jobs and they're interviewing for jobs, and I can't do that. Why can't chaplains do that as well? What? Why do we participate in the marketplace in a different way than our peers? Well, that goes back, Caleb, to the proponency issue, um, and chaplains oftentimes want to be uh, interviewed by commanders and they want the opportunity to speak to commanders and to understand um, or, or to, com- to speak to commanders and actually compete for a particular job. The trouble becomes when we have to manage the distribution of limited resources, we oftentimes are setting commanders up for failure if we say you can interview and decide which one of these resources or one of these which one of these personnel you would like to come to your organization. And if they interview and a commander says this is the one and this is the only one that I want, um, and then we're put in a position where we need to put one of our rabbis in that particular organization or we need to put a uh, – Roman Catholic priest or an imam or another faith group of some some flavor simply to manage our force more efficiently and effectively. We've then told the commander that he gets he or she gets a say that they don't necessarily have. And so unfortunately we we ask our chaplains and commands not to interview in the in the marketplace. But we still want the commands and the soldiers to participate because it is part of the process. So when a command votes on a particular soldier and says, hey, we've read their resume and we really like this officer and we think they would be a good fit for our organization, we would like to hear from the commands about that. And likewise with the soldiers, if they're interested in a particular location, we really want them to vote on those because it is another part of many moving pieces that the PER uses in an effort to put the right person in the right place Uh, for the right reasons and at the right time. All of those things that go to form a picture for a personnel manager as they are trying to make the assignment uh, for an officer. So bottom line, sometimes you have visibility of things at the strategic level that that commander or that battalion chaplain just simply aren't going to be aware of. Indeed. Uh, And oftentimes I have an impression of how to grow a chaplain that many of our commanders don't necessarily know about. Um, often we've we've had commanders who will call us in the PER and say, I don't know what a chaplain needs on their OER. And so we help shape that. And likewise, a commander doesn't always know what a chaplain needs in order to be effective as far as assignments in their next uh, in their next rank. And so it's incumbent on the personnel division to ensure that our chaplains are given a wide breadth of experience while they're captains. And then we start to hone their capabilities when they're majors. And by the time they're lieutenant colonels, we kind of know what they're good at. And ma'am, I've heard you say that the marketplace also allows for increased transparency, um, that chaplains can now look and see what opportunities exist. And it just amplifies the understanding of, you know, where chaplains go in the army that when you're a battalion chaplain, you may not have that kind of data. So that's a really helpful point, I think, for all of us as we look to aim as a tool that we can use to grow our understanding. Now, before I ask you about the infamous IPSE, could you speak about DCHAP or CHAP at all? Could you explain that program a little bit? 
So for some of our seniors, we've sent them through a process of evaluation or an assessment program. Uh, Department of the Army had had developed a task force called the Army Talent Management Task Force. It was a subsidiary of the uh, G3, or they fell up under G3 because it's an operation that uh, the Chief of Staff of the Army wanted. Uh, he, he had looked at our formation and said, we have too many officers who um, display executive risk, uh, which really has become the new term for uh, what once was toxic leadership. And I, I like the term executive risk a little bit more than toxic leader because essentially what that's saying is that if we put a leader into a position of authority, we would um, be assuming risk at the executive level by putting uh, someone who's not a strong leader into a position where they're outmatched. So the Army has developed this process, um, and they call it BCAP for our Battalion Command Assessment Program, and they call it CAP for Commander's Assessment Program. So that would be for the brigade level and higher. Uh, it also goes for anybody who's working in a division level equivalent job. And so we as the Chaplain Corps were looking at this um, in October of 20 and thought, we need to go and see what's going on out there at Fort Knox and what they're doing and how they're assessing. And the chief of chaplains was very excited about the information that we brought back and said he would really like for us to see about integrating chaplain assessments into uh, the, the battalion command assessment program. Well, we discerned that it needed to be a separate category all by itself, um, and but it's still run at Fort Knox alongside the other programs. And we are very excited about this because it gives us an opportunity to azimuth check our leaders and see where they are in their capabilities and how their subordinates view them. Um, and then they get some leadership experience while they're there. And it's just a wonderful opportunity for our leaders to look at themselves in the mirror and to see who they are as a leader, um, what their gifts and talents are, and where they have opportunities and room for growth. Now, we do that both at the, at the division level and then again at the command level for our chaplains. But in the process of doing that, uh, I have learned that the Army Talent Management Task Force, along with the Center for Army Profession and Profession and Leadership, CAFL. <laughs> let, let me say that one again. The Center for Army Profession and Leadership, CAPL. Those two organizations realized that the first time a soldier's getting assessed should not be at the Division Chaplain Assessment Program or at the battalion commander assessment program. It's really kind of unfair on the officer. And so they have developed a program called Project Athena. And I would point any of our chaplains to the CAPL website in an effort to get them um, oriented with the types of leadership development that CAPL offers. There are more than 3,000 modules for training on that site. And it is an incredible opportunity for not just a captain or a lieutenant who's leading soldiers and in their warrior task and drills, but also for chaplains as they're coming up through the ranks to hone their capabilities. And so, you know, even though we are doing assessments at the senior level, there's an opportunity for development at the junior level that we highly encourage. Awesome, ma'am. Thanks for clarifying that. And so what I'm hearing as an implied task is 
if you are a um, 56 alpha and you get an email, do the assessment on your uh, former supervisory chaplain. So um, everyone remember that. So you heard me say it, uh, the Integrated Personnel and Pay System Army, IPSE, it is going live. Can you please explain what we're looking at here, ma'am? Well, this is a wonderful opportunity that the Army is providing to soldiers, and it's, it simply is a one-stop shop where you can access all of the different uh, systems and resources that the Army has for your personnel and your pay. And the best way that I've heard this described in our office is think self-service. So it's an opportunity for you to go uh, for soldiers, any soldier in any rank at any time. Um, and that includes your 56 mics and um, any other, you know, leader or soldier in the formation. They can go to these uh, to this website where IPSE is located, and they will have the opportunity to hit on tiles. But it will also streamline the orders production. And my understanding, uh, the the good, the good part of this is that we don't we won't be producing RFOs anymore. We'll be doing direct orders to soldiers, and so that's wow. one of the benefits from from our vantage point of this particular system is it's going to streamline that. Now, of course, we don't know exactly when that's coming online. The brownout is currently scheduled um, from mid-August through the middle part of September, uh, and we're hopeful that everything will go smoothly on that and we'll be up and running shortly thereafter for the 2301 movement cycle. Wow, big changes coming soon. So we will... Yeah, looking forward to that one. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so I think, ma'am, for many of us in the Army and in the Chaplain Corps, uh, we can see these systems as maybe hindrances at times. And so how do we reshape our thinking and think about these systems, these resources that we've kind of talked about today, um, these opportunities for assessment, et cetera? How can we see these as ministry enhancers and as resources and tools that, you know, they um, empower our calling rather than hinder our callings as chaplains and 56 mics? Well, especially with regard to AIM 2.0 and filling out information on the marketplace, the one thing that I would encourage every single one of our officers to do is build the most robust resume that you can possibly build. There are lots of skills and talents that chaplains bring into the Army Chaplain Corps that we're just not aware of because they don't go on an ORB. And they're not something that's easily accessible unless you call the chaplain. And and like the commanders want to do, they want to interview them. But if you make your resume as robust as possible, let's say, for instance, I have one chaplain that I've worked with in the past who... Um, did his missionary in Ukraine, speaks fluent Ukrainian. He's a wonderful asset for the United States Army right now. That Those sorts of opportunities, if you don't put those, those capabilities into your resume, you may not have uh, taken a language proficiency test, but if you speak a little bit of German or you speak a little Korean or you can get around in South America. Those are things that we really would love to know about you. Additionally, uh, many of our chaplains come in with uh, clinical pastoral education, and it's not captured on their ORBs because they haven't gotten the seven Romeo qualifier yet. 
if you have those sorts of capabilities, let's say you've had eight units of CPE in your former life, capturing that on a resume is going to be something that an assignment officer will really key in on as they are looking at you, especially if when you write down that you are interested in going to work in a hospital environment, uh, whether that's um, in in an actual hospital, whether we, we send you to the detention barracks at Leavenworth or something along those lines. We have lots of opportunities for our seven Romeos, but if we don't know that you have that capacity and you've not been certified by the Army, it's very difficult for us to to gauge that. So is, this is like Chaplain Cooper stomping the the foot on the floor and putting the fist on the table. So if there's a if there's a takeaway from this for for a chaplain, it's like go on aim right now and flesh out that resume. Indeed. In fact, I I used to tell the captains when I was visiting with them, if your resume doesn't read at eighty percent or higher, I won't speak with you. Uh, and I said that kind of tongue in cheek, but at the same time, you know, my concern was the chief of staff of the army has said we will participate in the marketplace and this is to the greatest extent we can. And so the more robust your, your resume is, the better it, it shapes how your assignment officer sees you or who they know you to be. So if you have licensures or certifications and things, those really need to be captured in that. Yeah. Well, ma'am. Uh, you don't have too much longer in your current position here. Where are you headed next? Indeed, I am departing the PER this summer after four very long years. Uh, <laughs> and I, I've enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, I've worked three different jobs in the personnel from the uh, from assignment officer to account manager and have had an exceptional time doing it. In fact, I feel like I know more of the core now than I've ever known in my career. Uh, and that doesn't mean just the core in general sense, but the individuals that make up our core. And so I feel like I counted an extreme privilege to have done this job for the last four years. But the chief of uh, chaplains has selected me to serve as the Division West chaplain for First Army. And so I will be heading out to Fort Hood to assume that role and responsibility sometime in August. And uh, what is Division West mission? Division West's mission is to train and equip all of our reserve component um, chaplains throughout the formation. And it's not just Division West. that they're, The chaplain section is responsible for the chaplains, but Division West is training all of our reserve compos, uh, both the reserves and the National Guard. Uh, and especially in the West, we are responsible for most everybody that falls west of the Mississippi. So it's an immense mission. Uh, we run two MFGIs, one at Fort Bliss and one at Fort Hood. And so it's an exceptional opportunity to see what that looks like and, and an opportunity to care for our Reserve and National Guard chaplains. And I have a special heart for them simply because I was once um, a Chibolic instructor. So I was working with our, our officer basic course. And in that, probably 90% of the chaplains that I brought through my, in my time there were going back to the reserve compo. And so to me, it's an exceptional opportunity to have a touch point with some people that I haven't seen in a long time. And I'm really excited about um, pouring into our chaplains' lives who are working out there. And they're doing some of the hardest work that I have could even imagine 
to have two careers, one that you're, you're kind of straddling between the Army and then your civilian life. And I, I, my goal and my aspiration in being the division chaplain for Div West is simply to honor their service and their commitment to their families, to their, their civilian job, and then also to the Army. And I think they're an exceptional breed of people that I just I, I can't even imagine how that call plays out, but I want to love on them to the greatest extent possible. Well, ma'am, we thank you so much for your time here today. I just want to give you a chance to give any other thoughts, um, maybe recommend a book. Any any thoughts there? Well, I'm reading two books right now. Um, the first one is Richard Stein's um, Lead Like It Matters to God. Uh, it's an exceptional read. He was the president of Lennox and then has gone on to work for World Vision. And so he talks about the ministry and and leading people in an organization where um, you're, you may not be the smartest person in the room, but you're the one they've called to lead. And so he points to it as an a outpouring of ministry and, and a care of individuals. And so to me, that's been an exceptional read. And then also um, just for doctoral work, I've been reading God at War by Gregory Boyd, and it's an exceptional read. Um, it's very challenging theologically. Uh, some of my own presuppositions about uh, God and his presence on the battlefield are being challenged. And so I very much appreciated that read. Well, Chaplain Cooper, thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of Community Conversations. We have a lot more coming up for Community Conversations, including more interviews with women in the Chaplain Corps and some special guests coming by to talk about the importance of moral leadership training and ethics. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast and your favorite podcasting app. And while you're at it, leave us a rating or review. Thank you for listening and join us again next time for another Community Conversation.